Hello and welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church here in Maryville, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week, as well as our conversations episodes, which include interviews, special announcements, and in-depth teaching. You can visit vineyardchurch.us to learn more about us or to access the audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. All right, I'm going to give a, uh, uh, an update here on uh, Onward, our, uh, our building campaign and all that's going on with that. There's a lot uh, that is going on with that. So from time to time, we do updates and let you know what's up. Uh, and we're doing that now for just a, a couple of minutes. Um, if you're new to the church, I'm going to give you the scoop. Like if you don't even know about this, I'm going to give you the rundown. I'm just going to do it at like warp speed, okay? Um, this fall, we purchased a building one mile away from here. Same street, same side of the street right across from William Blunt High School. We bought it for $2,125,000. Shortly after that, we sold this building that we're in now. We're now leasing it back. We sold it. We owned it outright. We sold it for $1.5 million to River Oaks Community Church. They're awesome. We're really glad to be working with them. Um, and now we're in the midst of a massive renovation project at the new place that started in January. It will finish at a, <clears throat> it'll finish at a time. And uh, more on that in a second, actually. It's going great. Don't worry. It's going great. Um, uh, also, in the fall, we did a building campaign with the goal, as you see on the side screen now, with the goal of raising $2 million in the hopes of being debt-free as soon as possible. Um, I just want to tell you, every time I say the word million, it gets like stuck in my mouth. It just feels, we're saying it so flippantly. I don't feel that way. It's, it's like really stands out to me. It's, uh, I'm not adjusted to the seven-figure reality that we're in here. Um, the goal of raising $2 million, it would be debt-free as soon as we possibly can. So far, toward that goal, we raised $1.3 million, which is absolutely incredible. About half of that was given up front, the other half pledged over a three-year period, which we've just recently started here in the month of January. Um, so many of you have given so much to this project, like above and beyond. I'm so, so grateful, seriously. I mean, more than you'll ever know. I know you didn't do it for me, but I'm still personally grateful. Um, some folks haven't pitched in yet, um, maybe because they're not going to, and that's like fair enough for sure. Um, some people are kind of waiting and seeing or waiting for some details in their life to, to shift, things like that. Um, some folks are new and they don't even know about this. Um, it's not so much the case in this room, uh, but especially in our next few services, a whole lot of new faces. People don't even know uh, that we're in this project. Um, so uh, that's where we're at. Um, we are in now what I'm kind of calling the, the passive phase of the fundraising for that. Um, in the active phase... Uh, we talked about it every week for 10 weeks and, you know, went through all the details and all that stuff. Um, in the passive phase that we're in now, uh, we just talk about it every once in a while. Um, I give you an update and I extend the, the invitation and the challenge to give for those who haven't um, jumped in just yet. That's today. Um, don't worry. We don't do cringy sales pitches or anything like that. So deep breath. That's not what's coming. Um, I... And in case you're bracing yourself, I will be off this subject in about three minutes, and we will be into the book of Galatians. 
Um, but here's the update. Over uh, down the road, this, this yonder, that's right, I'm from here, I can say it if I want. Over yonder at 1225 William Blunt Drive, uh, the construction's going great. It's still early, but it's on schedule. That's pretty amazing. Uh, early, but on schedule. We are planning tentatively, tentative. everybody say tentatively. Isn't that a hard word to say? I had to say it into a microphone. This, I have a hard job. Um, we are planning tentatively <laughs> to move into that building 1st of August. Okay? Tentatively. It could change. I know that's earlier than maybe you were, you were prepared for. It could change. Hold it loosely. It could be, I don't know, I don't know. I'm ner- honestly, I'm nervous to say the wrong thing and tell you something that's not accurate. And I expressed that to someone not long ago, and they said, you tell us wrong stuff all the time. It's, we're used to it. I was like, thanks for that, really. Um, but tentatively, we're, we're looking at that. And look, guys, I, I, I'm so excited um, because a lot of reasons. One, one, three services every Sunday, and then more stuff going on in this building throughout the week than ever before. Like, all 10,000 square feet of this building are, like, crying out and groaning and begging for a change. Okay, like, give me a break, the building is saying. We're really uh, using it uh, more than ever. Um, and here's the thing. It's, we're still early in 2023. It's just February. Uh, but we're growing. Uh, our, our attendance is, is trending above pre-pandemic numbers, which is wild in a crowd. I didn't know if we did that would ever happen. <laughs> and uh, we're poised to do so much more as we move. Uh, if you're not familiar with the, the, sort of the story of our church, man, like this, this building, so grateful for it. So awesome that we were able to pay it off. I'm still so grateful for God's provision. But it has kind of capped our growth here for a long time. And it's so cool that God is orchestrating all of this now because there's a real, there's something, man, there's something really beautiful in the water in our church right now. Um, and here's what I'm seeing clearer than ever, to put it the simplest way I know how. At a time when the world is getting more and more contentious, the people of this church are growing more and more kind and more and more reasonable and thoughtful and loving, and it stands out in the best way. Guys, in the best way. And as a result, more and more people are learning how to walk with Jesus and love their neighbors, and it's beautiful, and it's working. It's working. In a contentious world, as we grow in kindness, people are drawn, and that's happening. Um, So for some uh, more details, more than I have to give now, if you open up our app, uh, if you've, hopefully you've gotten the app. If not, you can get at the web, uh, details for that on the website. Or you can go, of course, on the website. You'll see a banner that kind of looks like that, the Onward banner, if you click on that. There's like way more information that I can give you um, now. Um, and there's also information in that about how to give. I'll tell you the first way you can give, um, not under compulsion, okay? That's the Bible's really, really clear about that. I don't want anybody, if you're hearing about this for the first time, good grief. Don't like write a check or fill out a card. Take some time, pray, seek the Lord. Don't give under compulsion. Think it through. Let the Lord lead you. Um, If you do decide to give, um, you'll get lots more details about how to do that. Like I said, if you click the link in the, at the website or on uh, uh, the banner in the app. Um, But there are also uh, cards in the seat back in front of you. Um, those are like pledge cards, and you can let us know how you intend to give. Uh, if you intend to give up front, monthly, a combination of the two. We've, we've asked folks to do a combination of the two, um, again, as the Lord leads. Um, and then um, if you have any questions about any of that, 
um, you should ask and not hesitate to ask. Um, our executive pastor, by the way, is a guy named Johnny Williams, and he's not usually uh, here. He worships uh, most weeks over at Springbrook, but this week he's actually here in the sound booth. Johnny, I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Will you stand up? Give us, a, give us a wave. All right. I'm so glad that Johnny's here today because if you have questions about the building, I want you to ask me. If you have hard questions, I want you to ask Johnny, okay? He knows more about what's going on uh, than anybody else uh, so please, uh, please don't hesitate. Uh, we don't do secrets, so anything you ask feels like kindness. So, all right, let me take a minute to pray one more time, and then we're going to jump into the message. God, thank you so much for how you've provided for us. Um, thank you so much for the new people who've come into the life of our church, Lord. It's really exciting. And I just ask, God, that we would, um, all of us, uh, be in an ongoing fashion. You know, even if we've already decided what to give, maybe we've already given what we're going to give. Um, I just pray that we as the people of God in this church would be, would be praying daily about this project and what you have next for us in our church, and then uh, also about how we might give, Lord. Uh, so for those who are new, for those who are still kind of waiting and seeing, Lord, if it's, if it's your leading for them to give, I, I just ask that you make that clear to them and that they would give as a response of, of joyous gratitude. They would give cheerfully and not under compulsion, God, and that, um, uh, Lord, I'm so grateful that we have such a clear path in front of us for how our giving is going to help us move forward in joining you in the renewal of all things. Now, as we look to your word, help us to hear from you, to hear from your scripture, uh, to be in a place to receive truth. And we ask, would you let your kingdom come and your will be done in this room, even as it is in heaven? Amen. Okay. Now I get to do the sermon part. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Uh, we are in the book of Galatians. We just started like a big, long mega series just last week. Uh, last week was all introduction. This week, we're finally getting into the text. Uh, the first five verses, I'll read them to you now. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, that's our text. So, uh, we said this uh, last week. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. That's why it's called uh, Galatians. And these churches are, are wrestling with how it is that they're supposed to live now that Christ has come and he has brought about this whole new reality. Um, and I'll just say this once, but we're standing very much so on the foundation that we laid last week. So if you weren't here last week, grab the podcast and you'll know what I mean when I say Christ has brought this whole new reality. Um, so do that. Uh, and in this, he, he starts off by reminding them, in case they had forgotten, that he is an apostle, like capital A, apostle. And uh, basically what, what that means is that what he says about Jesus, he learned firsthand all right, like it was not passed down to him. It wasn't hearsay. He got the message directly. I would say from the horse's mouth, but that feels irreverent. Um, and what he's saying is like, hey, remember, I'm not just, I'm not just some guy, you know. He's saying I'm, I'm an apostle. I'm the guy who started this church in the first place. And he's reminding them, like, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm qualified to hit the subjects that we're about to address. We're going to dive into some stuff, and I'm not just some guy, Okay. And then he greets them in the next verse with, um, or the third verse here, um, with a common 
first century Christians saying, if you've been around the church, you've heard it again and again, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you. Um, Which if you think about it is a a bit of a summary of what it is to be a Christian. It's it's kind of sequential. Um, Because of his grace, we can actually have peace. Because of his grace, we can actually have peace. Um, And then he tells them the big idea that is going to inform everything that he says for the next six chapters. Okay? You'll see it on the side screens. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. It's verses 3 and 4. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. What exactly does Paul mean by that? And while we're at it, like, what exactly is this present evil age? And why do we need to be rescued from it? So we're going to try to get to the bottom to, bottom of. Um, by default, uh, most church folks think of this present evil age as this broken world that we live in. And that being rescued from it means that we get to leave here and go to heaven. And as we said last week, um, again, podcast, okay, I, didn't, I said I wouldn't say it again, but I did. Um, as we said last week, that's not, that's not technically wrong, you know? That, that we are living in this, that this earth is the broken age and that we get to leave here and go to heaven. Not technically wrong, but that as the story we live in is kind of missing the point. It misses the broader story of scripture, okay? So we're going to make sure we have that foundation today. To get this sorted, uh, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis. Um, and you, church kids, you know the story. God creates the world, says that it's good, puts us in it, And then he, this often gets missed, he invites us then to join him in a shared mission. So um, imagine this if you can. Um, God sits down with Adam and Eve and he explains to them the mission. And and I know I sort of just laid out a scenario of a a meeting. That's actually how I picture it. I don't don't know how he went about communicating this, but I kind of see a meeting. And that sounds ridiculous, like Adam and Eve and the Most High God just sitting around a cocktail table chatting. Um, But face-to-face communication was actually how it worked before sin entered the world. Uh, That's Adam and Eve took afternoon chats in the cool of the garden, walking talks with the Most High God. So face-to-face conversation was how it worked. And so I picture a meeting. They just sit down. And God says, all right, guys, this is it. This is the garden, um, and it's yours. It's yours. Take care of it. And actually, there's a whole lot more than just the garden. The whole earth, he says, it's yours. Now, imagining, just imagine all that he's giving them in this moment. (laughs) Everything we can conceive of, basically. He's giving them in this moment. The whole earth, he says, it's yours. So be fruitful, multiply, and make the whole world better. And he says this. This is very interesting language. He says, the whole earth is under your dominion. You're in charge. It's yours. It's your domain. It's your world. I'm giving it to you. You have dominion over the whole place. And then together, you and me, we're going to help make this place thrive. And then I, I can imagine them saying, okay, but like, What's, what's like the goal? Like what's the end game that we're working for? Um, 
And the end goal that he's working for, and I don't know how clear this may have been made in that initial meeting, okay? But certainly over the course of Scripture, it's made profoundly clear. The end goal is this. On earth, as it is in heaven. That's the goal. The whole project, the whole thing. What are we shooting for? We're shooting for on earth, as it is in heaven. That's the goal. God and man ruling the earth. In some sense, if you think about it, co-creating with God. Bringing about absolute thriving on earth as it is in heaven. And that was the mission. The shared, think about it, a shared project between God and man. All right, well, what happens next? If you're a church kid, you know what happened next. That's why some of you are making bummer faces. Um, God gave us the world, and then we turned right around and gave it to our enemy. This is what happened. He gave it to us, we turned around, and we gave it to our enemy. By going the way of evil, we placed our world that was just given to us into the hands of Satan. The, the Bible tells us, it's, this, I don't, this is really bad news, but the Bible is very clear. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Satan, the Bible says, is the ruler of this dark world. And you might go, but wait, God gave us dominion over the earth. How did he get it? And the answer is, we gave it to him. We did. That was the choice of sin. And that was, catch it, that was the beginning of this present evil age. It's when it started. The age in which Satan has dominion because we gave it to him. Now, in church circles, uh, the shorthand for that, it, we call it the fall. And um, church kids will remember from that story uh, that when, when Adam and Eve sinned, um, they suddenly realized they were naked and they were ashamed. That's sort of a weird moment as I, as I picture it. Um, and, but if you think about it, that's, that's absolutely human nature, isn't it? So if, if I were to ask you, um, hey, you, you know, fill in your name there, um, when was the first time you felt shame? You might be able to answer that question. There's a good chance you, you, you just wouldn't remember. But I'll tell you what. I bet your parents could remember. And they could be able to tell you. Because the first time you experienced shame, um, it, that happened right before you, as a tiny little person, decided that it was weird to run around the house naked. It was right before that. When you're, the moment when you're like, I should put some clothes on. Right before that was the first time you felt shame. It's what we do. We see in us exactly what happened in Adam and Eve. And so um, it's interesting how God responded to their failure, and I want us to see it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21 says this, The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. I don't know if you ever pause to think about that verse. Let's do that, though. Um, um, this is going to be, I think, a helpful point that will help us as we work our way through Galatians. What this verse does is it shows us how God approaches us after we sin. Because that's the scenario, right? And Adam and Eve, they just blew it, and they kind of blew it big time. I mean, they gave away dominion of the earth to the enemy. Now the world's a broken place. That's a, that's, there's a whole lot of cascading consequences that came from that moment. And we all know, we all know there are ongoing consequences to our sin. As I've often said, if I rob a bank, God will absolutely forgive me. 
And biblically speaking, all of you absolutely have to forgive me. You must do it. But I'm still going to go to jail for a long time because there's ongoing consequences of those choices even though I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, but I still owe a debt to society in that case. Okay. Think about this. Maybe you can relate to this on some level. When we experience the ongoing consequences of our choices, we often think that that is God rubbing our faces in it, just making sure you got the message, making sure he gets his pound of flesh, that you pay what you owe. And guys, hear me on this. Nothing could be further from the truth. I don't say that flippantly. Nothing could be further from the truth. The first consequence Adam and Eve felt was shame. They tried to cover it themselves. They used fig leaves. Not great. Really not great. God's response was to give them proper clothing. To do for them better than they could do on their own. As they now try to navigate the consequences of their sin, He helps them. God doesn't abandon us to deal with the mess that we made on our own. Like I as a parent often do when my kids make a mess. I'm like, you made it, you fix it. That's your mess, that's your job. That's actually not the approach of our Lord. We make the mess, and then he helps us cope. He helps us manage, he gives us what we need to keep going, and then he walks with us through the hard things. He doesn't rub our face in it. He helps us move onward. He gives us what we need, he covers our shame. I hope you can see that. And, and here begins, I, I think, a, a pretty interesting little theme in Scripture um, of, of God clothing us to help us face this broken world. And again, all we can manage is fig leaves. Not great. In Genesis 3, they're given proper clothing. Um, in Isaiah 61, we're told that we're clothed in righteousness. Then in Colossians 3, we're dressed in kindness, compassion, forgiveness, humility, patience, and above all, he says, love. And then finally, Paul assures us in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will be dressed in immortality. He, he gives us proper clothing to face our shame, then he clothes us in salvation and in love, and then ultimately he dresses us in immortality. It's a lot better than fig leaves. Okay, okay. so back to the garden. That little aside is important if you feel like the consequences, the things you're facing in life are God rubbing your face in it. I just don't believe that lie. It's a lie. Okay, back to the garden. Adam and Eve uh, were on a mission with God to make the world better. Again, with this really lofty goal of on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. But instead, they gave the whole thing away to our enemy. Marking, as we said, the beginning of this present evil age. And what that means is that big project that God just started with his kids, the project is now way off track. So beginning at that moment, the Lord began to paint a picture of how he was going to fix it, of how he was going to rescue us from, God's do- from Satan's domain. He's going to take the world back, give it back to us, and pick the project right back up. Okay? That's the story we're in. You go, well, how? How's that happen? He's very clear. He's going to send a Messiah. That Messiah would then defeat Satan, rescue us, and hear me, plant a flag declaring that the world is his again. 
And no matter what your perception of ancient Judaism might be, I want you to understand that's what ancient Judaism was all about. That's what the Old Testament is all about. It's about looking for that Messiah, about waiting for him to come and establish his kingdom on this earth so that they could get back to the business of renewing this world. Now, um, as the Jews were looking for all that to happen, um, they often referred to that coming reality when the Messiah come as, as the age to come. It's important biblical language. That's the, the age to come. So this present evil age, as we said, started when we handed over the earth's dominion. The age to come, and again, in the mind of an ancient Jew, was when the Messiah came, took it back, and then set everything to right. Y'all, y'all still tracking with me? That was a lot. Okay. Um, they called it the age to come, and they used that sort of almost eschatological or kind of end of the world sounding language because they figured that when the Messiah came, he would change everything all at once. They figured he was going to just come and just fix it all, and the whole thing would be renewed in a flash just like that. Satan would be vanquished, and so would anybody who wasn't aligned with God at that moment. But that wasn't actually God's plan, okay? Um, God had a different, more merciful plan than that one. God would come, the Messiah would come. He would establish his kingdom on earth. He would plant his flag. But, and this was the surprise to the first century Jews and early Christians, but in the process, he would not jettison our enemy and all who follow him. Not yet. God brought, think about this, God brought the age to come through Jesus, but to everyone's surprise, he didn't end this present evil age in the process like people thought he would. Does that make sense? Y'all still with me? Okay. Um, We go, well, well, why not? Why didn't you just go ahead and do all of it? Here's why. It's really simple. He wanted to rescue you first. That's why. More on that in a second, but... What that means is we now live in a world, think about it, we now live in a world that's claimed by two kingdoms. We now live in a world that has been claimed, flags have been planted, dominion is ours, it's been claimed by two warring kingdoms. And we now live in two ages at once. Think about how significant that is. Um, We're in contested space. This this present evil age began when we sinned. The age to come started when Jesus rose from the dead. And God hasn't yet ended the present evil age, not yet. And again, it's because he's patient. It's because he's giving the world an opportunity to choose him. So 2 Peter 3, verse 9 very clearly says that the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, the promise being the renewal of all things, okay? He does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you. Why? Plain and simple. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So we don't know exactly when the time comes, but when the time comes, Christ will return, Satan will be vanquished once and for all, and all will be made new. So again, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins 
to rescue us from this present evil age. So what then does it mean uh, for us to be rescued from this present evil age? As we said, it doesn't mean getting out of here and into heaven. It's not what it means. It means transferring our allegiance to the kingdom of God and joining him in his project. Guys, I, I can't overstate how important this is. I'm making a very important announcement. The kingdom has come. The kingdom of God has come. You know what that means? It means the project's back on. Guys, it's back on. The renewal of all things, that's back on now for us. So we got, let's get to it. And it's a two-pronged mission. We help people see the joy of life with Jesus and welcome them into that. And we make this world better. Just like God told us to do all the way back in the beginning, all the way back in Genesis. This isn't about God zapping us out of here so that we can go live in heaven. This is about a project that God started with his kids that got way off track and now through Christ is finally getting back on track. That means is now it's time for us working alongside of Jesus, us empowered by the Holy Spirit to love and serve this world. Listen, not so that we can be saved, but because we are saved. You see? Not so we can earn our salvation or stack up merit, merit badges or prove our devotion to the Lord. It's not about that at all. But because simply we are God's children and that's what he designed us to do. And there is absolutely nothing more fulfilling than doing what you have been designed to do. And there's nothing more fun, frankly. There's nothing more fun than being on a shared mission with God. So that's what we're doing. So this is about, and we will do this, we will do this faithfully, we will do this out of worship, out of gratitude, even as the ruler of this dark world opposes us at every turn. Okay. As we await the time that the Lord has chosen to come again. And when he comes again, he will vanquish our enemy once and for all. He will restore all things. And look, folks, hear me on this. If we die before that, before that happens, then off to heaven we go. Okay? But just for a time. And then we'll get to be part of that heaven coming down to earth when Christ returns. So Christ says, or Paul writes this, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of, God, of our God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Amen. Okay, Lauren's going to come up and um, help me close this thing. Um, I just want to point this out. I know, that, I know that we're getting back to some of the same ideas from last week. It's really wanted us to sit with these themes for another week. And here's a question I want to ask. Here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if you realize the story that you're living in. And that is joining God in the renewal of all things. If you've, if you've surrendered to Jesus, hear me on this, it's very important. That means your eternal life has already begun. 
It's already begun. We, we tend to, Christian folks like me, I've said, I've said things like this all the time. I'll probably say it again. Um, we tend to say, when we die, then we step into eternal life. Or we, we move into eternal life when we die in this earth. Um, that's not actually entirely correct. What scripture makes clear is that we have already stepped into eternal life. Uh, the, the Greek word for eternal life, it literally means life of the ages. Life of the ages. We are living of the ages, plural, now. We are living in two ages now, this present evil age and the age that is, a com- is to come, which was established through Christ and his resurrection. We're living it now. There's actually only one definition for eternal life that's given in Scripture. Uh, Jesus gives it to us. John 17, verse 3. He says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, and this is Jesus in prayer to the Father, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is walking with Jesus. We're in the reality of that eternal life now. And this isn't all. Like, I mean, it, it gets better, but we're here now. And so again, what's the story you're living in? You can have one mindset that says, I'm, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to hunker down and, and, and I'm going to make it and then I'm going to get out of here and go to heaven. Or you can have a story that says, I have already stepped into the life of the ages. I am indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm an agent of healing and hope and restoration and renewal in this world now. Not just holding on until I get to heaven. I'm bringing heaven in whatever measure I can here. Because Christ has rescued me from this present evil age. And not not just to get me out of here, but to commission me to bring change and hope and to rescue to people. They'll track it. And you might you might hear that and go, Aaron, that's that's a whole lot of stuff I'm I'm supposed to be about and the world's a busted place and that sounds like a really big overwhelming mission. And, and you might push back and say, man, I'm just actually truth is I'm just barely hanging on. I'm barely like holding on to, to like my own mess. And I really am just trying to cling to get from one day to the next. And if that's where you're at, I just want to say, that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. If you're not thriving right now, that's okay. Keep holding on. Let us help you. Let's be in community in this church and have people walk with you and struggle right alongside of you. But even if you're in that place of just barely holding on, I want to remind you, knowing why you're here, the story that you're living in, And the purpose that comes with it, it changes everything. It becomes how you hold on. It becomes how you move into thriving. It's been said, he who has a why can bear almost any how. If you have a why, if you know what you're here for, even if you're barely holding on, you can hold on and do more than just cling to. You can find a place of thriving when you realize there's purpose for you. It's a mission for you now. If God didn't have plans for you to join him in the renewal of all things, you wouldn't be here. 
been designed to do something beautiful in this broken world. I don't know what that looks like, but God does. And as you let this become the story you're living in, the more your eyes will adjust and you'll look at the world, this broken world, not just as something you are the victim of, but something you have been called by God and empowered by His Spirit to bring renewal to. It's a better way to face the world. It's a truer way to face the world. He who has a why can bear almost anyhow. All right. So uh, let's have Selah. A couple of, just a couple of minutes here to pray and reflect. Holy Spirit, please come all the more. Make us aware of your presence all the more. Lord, uh, for anyone in the room who, who may be uh, maybe falling, uh, pray a bit to the lie that says uh, the ongoing consequences of our sin that we endure in this life, that's just God making sure we get the message or taking his pound of flesh or rubbing our face in it. Lord, I, would you help them to see that you speak a better word? That you meet us after our sin, not with condemnation, but with an offer to help, to restore, and to walk us through the mess that we've made. And Lord, if we've lost sight of it, would you help us to see then the bigger picture that we're, we're not just here to endure the mess that we're in, but we're actually here to join you in putting some of the pieces back together. But I ask right now by your spirit, we would just be infused with purpose. And, and even those who feel like right now they're just barely hanging on and they can't imagine getting beyond just their own, the fog of their own difficulties. Would you help them see that even, even they, even they can find healing and restoration, allowing God to meet you in your place of brokenness, to restore you as he did with Adam and Eve and as he's done throughout the course of history. And that the story you're in now, the brokenness you're facing now, are going to be tools in your tool belt when you move past this phase and join God in the renewal of all things. I pray that every one of us would clearly understand we have a why. We have a why. We have a purpose. We have meaning. And he who has a why can bear almost anyhow. 